I hope you can say that today, that you are bound for heaven. Uh, Brother Bart asked me to read 1 Corinthians one day, so if you all turn there. First Corinthians 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and, and Sesthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus to be called to be, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you in the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak in the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, and that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there, be, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or are you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you, but, Chris, but Crispus and, and Gaius, lest that any should say that I have baptized in mine own name. And I baptize also the household of Stephen. Stephen. <clears throat> Just to point out, quick note, I am terrible with names, so I will stumble through most of these. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made the foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that the wisdom of God in the world, by the wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching, to save them that believed. For the Jews required us a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto, all, unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks, foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how, it not, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. And God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. And, base, and the base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen 
yea, and things which are not, to bring not things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who, the, who God has made unto us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorified, let him glory in God. As I was reading this, um, the thing that stands out to me is there's two very distinct sections. And in my Bible it says, um, Paul appeals for harmonies, verse 10 through um, 17. And as I look at the world today, and the United States in general, is we have a very divided nation. You think of um, the Senate, Congress, there are very specific democratic and republic sides that are always at their throats trying to get the other hand. And what he is saying here is we are not, we are not having the democrat side and the republican side and then there's those that are neutral on both sides. We are all one together in Christ. And we should all stand together in Christ. And then in verse 18 to the end it says Christ brings life to us from God. And so he is here in this room giving us wisdom. He's helping me speak to you into your hearts in a way that you would understand. Now, I don't know how you're understanding this. I didn't say this so you could understand, but he is helping you to understand what I am saying. Um, one thing that I like in here, um, verse 30 and 31, but of him are ye in Christ, of who God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written that he glorified, let him glory in the Lord. Going back, um, just hold him above all else. And I use politics a lot because it's one thing that actually kind of makes sense. There are, makes sense, makes sense to me. There are many people that are in power that people will follow after and we sh I like this person. We should put him into the presidency and no, no, we can't have him. He's, we don't like his hairstyle. There's very petty things. But God is above all, he understands all, he is all, and we need to put our faith in him so that we can get into heaven to be with him. And it would, it is um, very easy to get sidetracked and to, to fall under temptation and to follow temptation. But if we stay in Christ and are steadfast in him, he can help us overcome everything. Um, prayer requests. Uh, Luke Todd, I think I'll call on you to pray. Everyone's fine. That's good. Yeah. I will mention, I think Dad mentioned it a couple weeks ago, but my brother Tim is continuing to deal with a cancer diagnosis and is planning on having some operations Him and his um, cancer treatment as that's coming up. Luke.
receive that. Thank you for, especially right now for the, uh, pray for these, these, uh, this time where we have graduates going out into, uh, into the world, pray to be with them. And as they move into that stage of life, uh, that you'll guide them and be there with them, that they'll uh, continue to seek after you and trust you. <clears throat> pray also today for uh, Zach's brother, Tim, that you'll be with them, or be with him as he goes into his, his treatment. I know that you're you're Number 10, the worship of his majesty. Number 10. Thank you, Lucas, for that opening. Very good job. You always keep your eye on Jesus and your focus on Jesus, and you're going to do all right in life. 
Appreciate everyone coming this morning. Welcome. We have a lot of visitors here, and I appreciate uh, you coming and worshiping with us together. Uh, bless you. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4 to begin. Do you feel called by God? Are you walking in that calling? There are many examples, possibly hundreds of examples, in the scriptures where God called men and women. Some for specific purposes and some in more of a general sense to all of his people. God called Abraham, Moses, Daniel, David, Samuel, and the list goes on. He called everyone in Isaiah chapter 55, everyone that is thirsty, come ye to the waters. In the New Testament, Jesus called the twelve disciples individually. He called the seventy, sent them out to spread the gospel. He called the high to come down, the proud to come down. Zacchaeus, come down. He calls the low and the tired, the heavy laden. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He called the children to himself. And he says, for this is the kingdom of God. He called Paul on the Damascus road, struck him down, and called him for a specific purpose. He called Peter up into the third heavens and gave him a vision. He called John on the Isle of Patmos. He called him up through an open door in heaven, it says in Revelation chapter 4. And there he showed him everything that ever was, that is, and that ever will yet be. The calling of God. God has called many people. Do you believe that God has called you? And are you walking in that calling? I've heard many Christians say, well, I just never really have received the call. Or I don't feel called. Really? Maybe. Just maybe it's an excuse. I.e. Moses and Aaron. Well, God, I, I just can't speak. 
Or maybe it's because we aren't listening to his voice, i.e., Eli and young little Samuel. Or maybe it's because it just simply does not fit our agenda. Or it's something that we just don't want to do, i.e., Jonah. Well, God, I, I had something different in mind than what you called me to do. Do you feel called by God and are you walking in His calling? Because I'm thinking really that's two different questions. The question really is not, have we been called? The question is, is are we walking in that calling? I believe everyone is called by God through Jesus Christ, by His Holy Spirit, to Himself for initial salvation. Everyone has been called unto Him for salvation. Problem is, most don't respond to that call. If you're feeling that call this morning and you have not yet responded to that call for your salvation, I urge you to do that. Friend, come to Him. The call is one out through Jesus. It is a matter of eternal life or eternal death for you. But I believe then that every believer has been called in many areas to serve and to walk with God in that calling. Problem is, we see that too general. We're looking for something specific. Or maybe too many times something that we want. And so many believers spend their whole life trying to find that calling. When, like I've already pointed out, we've been called in many, many different areas. Maybe hundreds. Question is, is are we walking in that calling? Do you feel called by God? And are you walking in that calling? This message is really a third part to a somewhat of a spread out series. Uh, back in February, I spoke about walking in the Spirit. And part two was walking in the light of Jesus Christ. And now, even though it's been a little while, part three is walking in your calling. From Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I'm sure that you've had times where you felt called in certain areas. Other times where you've questioned that calling or at least wondered what your calling is. We're going to just look at a few areas uh, today, just a few, where I believe every believer has been called. And while this message is for everyone this morning, I would like to dedicate it to you young people, not to call you out, but I know there's several of you that have recently graduated, and I think Lisa and I 
when we go to bed tonight, we will have went to, I think, nine celebrations for graduates this spring. So kind of a big spring for us, but uh, we want to support you and, and uh, encourage you. It's not really just for the graduates. Some of you young people are seeking careers at this time of life, seeking companions. Some of you uh, recently or will get married. I want you to know that God has not called you. God has not given you everything that you have learned through school and up to this age, 17, 18, 19, 20, 24, 30 years old. God has not just put you out there on the street, so to speak, by yourself alone, expecting you to learn things by trial and error. And there'll be some of that, but God has given you instructions in His Word to live by, specific instructions. God has called you with a purpose. God has called you to Himself. He has called you on a pathway with Him, to walk with Him. And I'm going to title that pathway this morning, Your Calling. God has called you to walk with Him to glory. And we know that this pathway leads to glory. What we don't know is really what that path looks like between here and glory every day. The path is not always smooth, it's not always a bed of roses, there are joys, there's also sorrows, sometimes hard times, but God has called all of us to this path to walk with Him. And as you're walking with Him, there's, there's signs along the way, there's signs that to try to lure you off of this path. Sometimes they're big signs, sometimes they're billboards, attractive signs. Turn this way, turn that way. Come off of this road. Come away from your initial calling. God is saying that I am with you, I will go before you, I will go beside you, I will come behind of you and support you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus is saying, I am yoked with you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the Spirit is saying that I am in you and always will direct you. So the message really isn't just for the young this morning. I know a lot of older believers who struggle with their calling especially older in years, as they begin to lose purpose. And they wonder, really, what is my purpose in life? This message is for everyone. God has called all of you. And He's asking us, He's calling us to walk in this calling. Ephesians 4.1 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. And that word 
Vocation there simply means calling, which seems a little bit redundant when you first read it. I'm calling you, I beseech you to walk in the calling that you have been called. Paul says here that this word beseech in King James simply means to urge or to challenge. Paul is saying, I I strongly urge you, I challenge you to walk in the calling wherein you have been called. Every one of us, again, have been called to Him. And if you have not acknowledged that call, that initial call in your heart today to God, to yourself, and publicly to others, again, I urge you to do that. Respond to that call. You see, the wedding invitations have went out. The call has went out. And it is so important that you show up to this wedding because this is not just an ordinary wedding. This is a special wedding. In fact, it's your wedding. You've been called not to be a guest to sit at the back row. You've been called to be the bride. And it's imperative that you show up at this wedding. You've been called. And your groom is fully expecting you to show up. Paul goes on beyond the initial call to salvation here. He's saying to walk in that calling. So just like this bride, her day will change. Her life will change. She's no longer a miss. She's now a missus. She is not just called to show up at the wedding, but she is called to walk this way in life. She now walks as a wife. She has the responsibilities of a wife. It's a lifelong calling. It's not just a call to come to the wedding. God is urging us to get on this path and to walk with Him. To walk in this calling wherein we have been called. Now it mentions here in Ephesians chapter 4 the ways that we are to walk in our calling. This chapter gives us ten personal qualities just in a few verses to help us walk in His calling. We're called to walk this way. The first seven are listed in verses 1 through 3. The other three are listed in the last verse, 32. Ten qualities to help us walk in our calling. In verses 2 and 3, it mentions humility and meekness. And I suppose if we stopped right here, if if we could master those two qualities in our life, our calling would be most effective. But it goes on, it mentions long-suffering, and we'd like to go through all of these. Long-suffering, forbearance, or forbearance, love, unity, and peace with others. In verse 3, it mentions the unity of the Spirit. David Jeremiah says it like this, and I, I appreciate this. He said, now unity is not union, simply being connected to one another. It is not uniformity, simply becoming exactly alike, and it is not unanimity, 
always agreeing with each other. And I know that some groups maybe emphasize one of those three, union, uniformity, or unanimity. But the Word of God here is, He goes on and He says, unity is of the Spirit. Unity of the Spirit is a God-given organic oneness based on Christ as our common center. Believers are not called to create unity, but rather to keep the unity that already exists in Christ, according to Romans 12, verse 5, and to walk in it, to walk in the unity of the Spirit. While the body of Christ is unified in the Spirit, it it is also diversified. And we see here in verses 7 through 12 that God has called us, each one, into this pathway, this oneness with Him, but He's also given believers varied gifts of the Spirit. So the body of Christ is unified in the Spirit, but also diversified. And we've been given different gifts of the Spirit. Verse 4, so even though that we have different gifts and different interests and different talents, we're unified in this one Spirit. It goes on and says, we are called in one hope. One body, one Spirit, as we are called in one hope of your calling. Verse 4, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God, one Father of us all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. We are called to walk this way in those seven qualities. But look at the contrast in this chapter. It won't take time to read clear through it. But in verse 17 through 31, we find contrast to these ten qualities. Verse 17 says, walk not. Walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Verse 22 says to put off these things, these corrupt things. In verse 25 it says to put away lying, speaking, and so forth. Verse 27, neither give place to the devil. Complete contrast. We are to the first three verses instructs us, and maybe the first six verses instructs us in the way we are to walk. And then several verses and contrast that with the way that we are not to walk, giving us a true picture of our calling. And then he sums it up in in the last verse, verse 32, again, three more personal qualities. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Always remembering Ephesians 4.1 that Paul is urging us to walk in the calling wherein we have been called. In verse 1 here that uh, Lucas read, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ 
through the will of God. Now, you and I probably have not been called specifically to be an apostle, but I believe all, all believers have been called by the will of God, and this, this should encourage us. This speaks about God's sovereignty in our calling. And maybe this is where we fall short, maybe this is where we lose hope in our calling, is one of two things can happen. Either, either we can just um, lose heart in our calling, or we can get to thinking that this calling is all about us. Paul puts it in perspective in this very first verse, that through the will of God, God's sovereign will has called you and it's God's sovereign will that gives you purpose and vision in your calling. To me, God's sovereignty is what really puts this all into perspective. Verse 1, we've been called through the sovereign will of God. And we don't ever want to forget that. Verse 5, we've been enriched by Jesus Christ. Verse 6, we have been confirmed by the testimony of Jesus in us. And so we've been called by His sovereign will. We've been enriched by Him. We've been confirmed by Him. And then this chapter goes on and gives us at least five areas of our calling. And again, there may be some specific calling that God is calling you to in life that He's not calling me. But there are many, many examples in the Scriptures that are somewhat general that He is calling all of us to. And this chapter mentions five areas. And so if someone asks you if you've been called, or maybe you get to wondering, this chapter gives you five areas that you have been called into. And then again, to repeat... Ephesians chapter 4, 1, Paul urges us to walk in this calling. Called into His holiness, verse 2. Called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, verse 9. Called or sent to be a messenger of the cross, verses 17 and 18. Called into His wisdom and power, verses 19 through 28. And then called into His glory. Verses 29 and 31. Verse 2. Called into His holiness. Now I, I suppose when I mention that, that maybe that doesn't come across real exciting to you. To be called into the holiness of God. In fact, it's not really super popular today to live a life of holiness. I realize we hesitate to use the word saints, especially when we're speaking about ourselves. We think about saints as someone who is maybe perfect in every way, uh, super spiritual, extremely godly, makes no mistakes. But remember, Paul is writing this to the Corinthians, and the Corinthians were far from being perfect. We know that. And so are we. But it says here in verse 2 that you are called, you are sanctified in Christ Jesus. 
called to be saints. Do you believe that you are called into His holiness? And actually, when you get to studying this, and I won't get into a lot of it this morning, it does become quite exciting. Because God is calling us out of our imperfections. He is calling us out of our sin. He is calling us into a walk with Him. And because He is holy, He is calling us to join in with Him and to walk in that calling of holiness. And I would say if you're young, entering life, if you're going off to college, even us older ones, it is imperative that we respond to this calling, the calling of holiness. The Bible says that we've been sanctified in Christ, called to be saints. When God initially called you, He called you to Himself, setting you apart from sin, self, and the world. And I understand we are a work in progress. God is continually calling us to Himself, away from sin, self, and the world. And we don't get, I want to be clear, we don't get more holy or more accepted by God based on our growing holiness and perfection. But the Bible says that we have been, past tense, sanctified. We are now set apart with Him in position. And I view that very closely connected with justification. Our identity is now with Him, but He is continually working with us, molding us, shaping us, calling us into His image to become more and more like Him. He's continually calling us into holiness. If someone asks you, have you been called? Maybe your mind jumps to some conclusion of something that you would rather be doing something that you would like for God to steer you into a direction to find fulfillment in your life. But you can simply answer with a quiet spirit within your heart, yes, I've been called. I've been called as a saint. I've been called into holiness with Him. Holiness is not perfected in our own strength, our own will, and our own power. In fact, it's quite the opposite. A life of holiness only comes when we lose our own will and our own strength and our own power and we submit our life to His will and power through Jesus Christ. We don't hear much about holiness. God does not expect us to be perfect. In this, in this flesh, but He is calling us to seek His face and to ask, Lord, how can I become more like Your Son, Jesus Christ? God does not tolerate sin. And I wonder why we do in our own lives. The solution for sin, we all know, God sent His Son to the cross. And that's the solution for holiness in our life, is to regularly go to the cross of Jesus. 
There we can find holiness. We see holiness through Him. Have you been called? The Bible says that you are sanctified. You're called to be saints. And then Paul says, I repeat in Ephesians 4.1, I urge you to walk in this calling. Number two in verse 9, we are called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ. In verses 10 through 13, Paul specifically addresses the division that there is in this church at Corinth. And he urges them, he beseeches them, that they be, verse 10, he says, I beseech you. And he goes on and he beseeches them, he urges, and I believe us as well, the scriptures is calling us out of that. He's calling us into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. Verse 9, God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. He is the center of our fellowship with others. And I urge you to walk in this calling. Number 3, verse 17 and 18, called, or it uses the word sent, to be a messenger of the cross. Verse 17, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Those are a couple of really powerful verses to live by. It says here that Christ sent me, or called me, not really to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And this gospel is based on the cross of Jesus Christ. Have you been called? God may not call you specifically to baptize, He may not call you specifically to stand behind of a pulpit and preach publicly, but I believe that every believer is called to be a messenger of the cross of Jesus Christ. He has called us. And again, if you struggle with your calling, because maybe you're thinking it's going to be something big, God is calling you regardless of your personality. There's a lot of different personalities in this room. Some of you are quite open, some vocal, some quiet, some reserved. I believe that God has called every one of you to be a messenger of the cross of Jesus Christ. And Paul, again, Philipp, uh, Ephesians chapter 4.1, I beseech you, I urge you to walk in the vocation wherein you have been called. The question is not, have you been called to be a messenger of the cross? The question is, are you walking in that calling? Don't wait on an election at Cornerstone to walk in this calling. Neither should you run from that, but go. Go share the gospel. Go 
share the gospel story with the clerk, the co-worker, the construction worker, the crane operator. Be a messenger. Fulfill this calling. Have you been called? Are you walking in the calling? Fourth, verse 19 through 28. Lucas read this. I'll not reread it. We are called into the wisdom and power of God. And this is big. I thought of this passage especially as some of you young folks are coming out of school. Maybe some of you going to college. You've learned a lot. Bless you in that. I pray that you will be able to apply that to wisdom in your life. No other letter does Paul compare the shortcomings of human wisdom in the, in the light of divine wisdom. Also, the weakness that there is in our human strength. To the called, Christ is our power and wisdom, which comes from God alone. Verse 24, but unto us which are called. So again, he's not, the question is not if we've been called or not. But unto us which are called, both Jews and Greek, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Corinth in this day was known for its knowledge. Athens wasn't very far away. Athens was known as the wisdom capital of the world at that time. And because of this, it had a great power. Greece, because of this wisdom, had become arrogant. And Corinth was known as the wise, rich, and immoral. The wise, rich, and immoral. And history says that they were proud of that, that title that was given them. I don't know how that compares to our world today. The wise, the rich, and the immoral. But they boasted about that title. Verse 25, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And I don't think Paul is saying here or giving any hint that God is foolish or God is weak. I think he's just saying, in my own words, that the lowest of God's wisdom is still much wiser than the wisdom of men. And that the lowest of God's weak, uh, strength is, weak, is still stronger than the strength of men. Verse 26, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and things which are despised, Hath, he, hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught the things which are. God uses these several things to bring down the wisdom of men and the strength of men. 
the foolish, the weak, the low, the despised, the things which are not, to overthrow the wisdom and power of this world. We are called out of the wisdom and power of this world and into the wisdom and power of God through Jesus Christ. Are you walking in this calling? By that, I'm just simply asking, are you seeking the wisdom and the power of God? Or are we continually seeking our own wisdom and our own power and strength? Walk in this calling. And then he sums up this chapter called unto his glory. Verses 29 through 31. That no flesh should glory in his presence. You know, really, we have, we have nothing to boast in. Even the wisest man or the strongest man or most powerful individual on this earth has nothing to boast in. We have nothing to boast in except for the glory of Jesus Christ and his power and his wisdom. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. The path that we've been called to leads to the glory of God. And we've been called to walk in that path. We've been called to walk in the light of His glory. Are you walking in the calling that He has called you in? Have you felt the call of God? And are you walking in your calling? Called into His holiness called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, called or sent to be a messenger of the cross, called into His wisdom and power, and called into His glory. I with Paul, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I urge you, I beseech you, to not only respond initially to the call of God, but then to walk in the calling wherein you have been called. May the Lord bless you. Let's have a song.